And good morning to you, Tucson, and all of Southern Arizona. Welcome live out of the Common Workspace Studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser on AM 1030 KVOI, the voice, daily in-depth news, conversation, and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. I'm your host, Zach Yenser, and to you, Matt, um, making the magic happen on the other side of the glass, as always, and to our listeners around here, we start our Wednesday show by saying, happy hump day, you made it. Good morning, Matt. Morning, Zach. Tomorrow's Friday Eve, by the way, just so you don't forget. And no 100 degrees today. And no 100, well, hopefully. Uh, also, real real quick, this is not a weather show, um, but um, they, they call it the ice broke on the Santa Cruz. Is that, a, is that a way that we talk about hitting 100 degrees in this town? I've never heard that For before. For years, Zach. For Seriously? years. Yep, absolutely. I feel like such a noob. I've never, I've never heard that before. You probably heard it. You're close there. I know. I've never heard it before. (laughs) I live live on it, and I've never heard it before. But we broke ice yesterday on the Santa Cruz. We hit 100 degrees, and we beat Phoenix. Take that, Phoenix. We beat you. (laughs) We got to 100 degrees first. Always feels good to beat Phoenix. Almost always, right, Matt? (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Good morning again to all of our... To all of our uh, listeners, I'm looking forward to today's show. We're going to close it by talking with Ruben Navarrete, the most widely read syndicated Latino columnist in the country. We'll talk about his view on national issues from his perch in sunny Southern California. We'll talk about Elon Musk and Twitter. I'm looking forward to his view on that. But first and up right now is our faith and culture contributor, Pastor Jeff Loxton pastor of Hope City Church with a special guest. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Let's get after it. We had to take a break last week. You're you're a busy man, Pastor Jeff, but it's good to be with you again here in studio. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you, Zach. I'm looking forward to our guest as well, Mary McGuire, with Mentoring Tucson Kids in the studio today with us. Absolutely. And we're going to feature, you know, Mary for uh, the the next couple of segments. But, you know, our faith and culture uh, segments are really the intersection of faith faith, culture, church, and community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you do a lot of the curating of it, actually, because this is your world. Uh, why, Why? I mean, I know why Mary. Uh, yes. I, I know Mary, too. <laughs> but but in particular, why? what was your interest this morning in bringing this conversation in? Yeah, if you haven't heard of Mentoring Tucson Kids, I was first introduced to them through the Greater Vale Area Chamber of Commerce and when in living in that community. And I uh, had the blessed opportunity to connect with Mary when she became the, the executive director there. And uh, if you are a part of, of Tucson and following what's going on in our schools, the, the need for our youth to have somebody mentoring, building the bridge between generational gaps and just having... Uh, Everybody listening, whether you know it or not, you have something of value to contribute and to impart into future generations. And I have up close and personal seen the effects of this. And just this last week, had the opportunity to be a part of a a breakfast with Mary and with many who are investing in her and sharing all of the great things coming up. And so we thought this would be a great opportunity to share that with our listeners. Absolutely. Well, let's pull Mary on in. Mary, will scoot you up to the mic there. So we can uh, we can hear you, the leader of this organization, mentoring Tucson's kids. Give us the quick history, Mary, before we jump into the president. It wasn't always called 
uh, mentoring Tucson, uh, mentoring Tucson's kids. Uh, it was named something else, I think, for a while. And uh, a gentleman who has a long history in this town too. So, catch us up. How did how did you get here, and how did the organization get here? Wonderful. Well, thank you first for having me on this morning. It's really wonderful to be here. Um, so, one-on-one mentoring was started back in 1995 by Don McNeil. I feel like there's a six degree of separation, maybe even three here in Tucson between Don. So I know that he is well loved in this community. And he just did an amazing thing where um, he recognized the need for a mentor program back in 1995. So there was a group up in Colorado that launched us. And then um, he ended up starting mentoring. It was called Mentor Kids USA back in 2006. And then we actually ended up taking over both of those. So we had one-on-one mentoring, Mentor Kids USA, then Mentor Kids USA changed to Mentoring Tucson's Kids. And then during COVID, um, I took over actually for Don back in 2019. And then we got blessed with COVID. Um, and so how we pivoted with that was really being a small nonprofit is looking at where's our heart. And I know this is a faith segment. so. We really took time and prayed about it and asked God, where do we want to go? Like, where does he want to go and take us? And so we really felt led that our heart is the faith-based mentoring, and it makes such a difference. Jesus has changed our lives, and so we know that that was where God was leading us. And so we ended up um, consolidating the one-on-one mentoring into Mentoring Tucson's Kids. We rolled over our matches in that program. And so moving ahead from last year, we are Mentoring Tucson's Kids. I love it. Uh, Don was considered uh, by many as the Dean of Mentoring. Yes. Um, that, is the, uh, that is the mantle you now wear. You are the Dean of Mentoring, Mary. I, I W Dean. Thank of, you. Of, <laughs> I, I W it. this morning, Dean of, <laughs> dean of Mentoring. Give us a, a sense of... Uh, <laughs> Give us a sense of how many kids have been, how many mentoring relationships have come through uh, since the mid-90s when, uh, when, when Don started this. So we have worked with over 2,000 kids wow. since one-on-one mentoring and mentoring Tucson's kids. And I know that now the need is greater than ever, and we'll talk a little bit mm-hmm. about that. But yes, so we've been around, we've been a staple in the community, and what we found is that through COVID, there's been such a high turnover with uh, social workers, therapists, mm-hmm. people in the community that just getting the word out again that we're here, we're here to serve. Mary, I, I, I will keep talking some statistics, and uh, you had a, a breakfast last Friday, I want to talk about that. Uh, our mutual friend, uh, former mayor, Jonathan Rothschild was the keynote speaker, so I'm sure it was an absolute blast. Uh, it was amazing. Um, but on a much darker note, uh, there was an even an article out this week in a major newspaper, and I can't forget which one. I can't remember which one. Uh, but it basically asked, why are America's teens so sad? Mm-hmm. The rate of depression, of suicide, of disconnection. The last couple of years have, I think, amplified some things that were already under the surface. Um, but it really impacted Tucson's kids, all of our kids, our country's kids, in some uh, incredibly damaging ways. Mary McGuire, why are why are we'll make it local? Why are Tucson's kids so sad? Uh, why are why do Tucson's kids need mentoring? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. So, 
Um, I can tell you a little bit about COVID, but across the board, um, suicide was the second leading cause in the nation for kids and young adults across the board, which I think is just heartbreaking. And I know that uh, there's many great things about social media. However, I know that it can often cause isolation where there's this sense of I've got this community, but it's an (coughs) online community. And so I feel like what COVID really showed us is the value of human interaction, human face-to-face interaction. And I think the virtual served an amazing purpose during that time. But you can't beat meeting with somebody and having that human relationship that mm-hmm. just changes lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know, Mary, uh, uh, completely separate from this, we have time scheduled to talk about it because this is a, a mutually shared passion of ours. Uh, and I'm a part of some mentorship uh, b- b- platforms as well in the city because I think it is so powerful for rooting people here, for helping them grow professionally, for connecting them, you know, whether they are just looking for career progression or, and it's the Atlantic, by the way, that a law informed piece why American teens are so sad for forces propelling the rising rates of depression among among young people. Uh, we're going to go to our first break of the hour. When we come back, we're going to do part two of this conversation. What does mentorship look like in uh, mentoring Tucson's kids? Why is it so important? We'll keep talking about that. And then uh, I've gotten to meet a lot of our listeners over the years, Mary, and I think uh, many of them would be great mentors, quite honestly, and I'd love to put, make that plug as well. And so we'll talk about that on the other side as well. Awesome. Thank you. Pastor Jeff has brought this conversation to the table. We're going to do part two on our way back in. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser on AM 1030 KVY. The voice Mary McGuire is with us. She leads uh, Mentoring Tucson's Kids. We've dubbed her the Dean of Mentoring. I'm sure Don won't mind, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, we're here together. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere, Tucson. Local news and talk. 1030, The Voice. With preseason and the season opener in the books, FC Tucson is looking forward to a great season, and John Perlman and his squad aren't slowing down. Join your FC Tucson soccer club Saturday, April 30th, May 7th, and May 20th for Let's Go 520 night, celebrating this great city. Get your season or game tickets at fctucson.com, and let's pack Kino Stadium this season. That's fctucson.com. The economy is moving forward, and Arizona businesses are looking at new opportunities and challenges as we emerge from COVID-19. Leading companies are planning how to respond to new business and rebuild their teams and are looking for critical talent now. The right talent in key positions will make all the difference, and having a trusted and dedicated talent acquisition partner will give you an edge. Devin and her team at Talent Store will connect you with top talent while positively impacting time to hire, retention, and your employer brand. Learn more by visiting yourtalentstore.com and schedule time with Devin and her team. Tucson, your Tucson Museum of Art is pleased to present the Patrick Martinez Look What You Created exhibition and his first solo museum exhibition in the American Southwest. Los Angeles-based artist Patrick Martinez explores sites of personal, civic, and cultural loss sustained over recent years in America. Opening just this month through April 24th, you can go see it in the Castor Family Wing of Latin American Art. TucsonMuseumOfArt.org to get your tickets now. 
1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the nearly 60 startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges currently under construction, they are integral in shaping the future of Southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. Tucson homeowners, do you have equity in your home and would like to sell, but are afraid that you won't be able to find a new place in this market? Well, you're not alone. That's why CNC Partners has put together an innovative way to make your next home dream come true. They work with local investors who can purchase your home for cash, pay above market value, waive the appraisal, and provide you with the option to lease your home back to you for 12 months until you can find a new home in the Tucson market. If you'd like to see what that cash offer might look like with no obligation, go to Tucson Cash offer.com. Zach Yenser here, host of Tipping Point, and I want to tell you that Decibel Coffee Works is the coffee we drink at home and while we're out and about. Run by a great local team of people who care about the Tucson community, you'll find a variety of great coffee drinks, beans, pastries, and more. There's also a rumor ice cream is on its way in 2022. To see their full menu and varieties of roasted beans from around the world, visit DecibelCoffeeWorks.com and visit them at 267 South Avenida del Convento. Mention you heard about them on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser for 10% off your next order on anything you buy. We have exciting news to share here at Impact of Southern Arizona. We have expanded our food bank into a grocery shopping style experience where over 500 families a month come in for food, clothing, and support. Now, Impact needs you. Can you or your business put on a food drive for food and hygiene items that others would normally go without? Learn more and contact us at www.impactsoaz.org. When you manage your money with a credit union, you're taking true ownership of your finances and how your money impacts the community. Stop letting banking just happen to you. Bring your money home to Vantage West. Federally insured by NCUA. Hi, this is Tom Sullivan. Join me weeknights from 7 to 10 for the Tom Sullivan Show on 1030 KVOI, The Voice. And we're back, Tucson, and all of Southern Arizona here. You're listening to Tipping Point. I'm your host, Zach Yenser. We are in studio with Mary McGuire, Executive Director of Mentoring Tucson's Kids. Uh, this conversation brought to us by, sounds like a sponsor message, uh, Jeff Loxton, <laughs> our faith and culture uh, contributor. Uh, great piece, Mary, in the Star a couple of days ago, Tucson Mentorship Program seeks to fill a gap for uh, kids in need. That was a great spotlight by uh, by Caitlin Schmidt for the Arizona Daily Star. And we were talking in the last segment about how uh, t- uh, Tucson's youth, America's youth, our, our, you know, our community's youth need mentors more than ever. We're seeing skyrocketing rates of depression, uh, suicide, uh, disengagement by especially young men from many of our institutions. It is a crisis point. I, don't, I never use that word lightly, but I think we are um, at, a, at a crisis point. So I'm happy to have this conversation. I think it's so timely. Um, you had a breakfast on Friday, brought the community together. Uh, how did that go, and what does mentorship look like in this program? It was great. So we had our former mayor, Jonathan Rothschild, on, and he had actually helped us to launch 
a citywide mayoral mentoring initiative back in 2017. Hmm. Oh, so that was connected with you guys. Yes. I didn't realize mm-hmm. that. Okay. So um, one of the things that I also took over chairing from Don McNeil was uh, chairing our Southern Arizona Mentoring Coalition. So it's a group of different mentor programs here in Tucson. We meet monthly, share resources, uh, share referrals for mentors and kids. If they're not the best fit for our program, we'll send them to another program. That's great. And then also uh, do quarterly training so that we're opening that to our staff, our mentors, and the community. Hmm. So Jonathan was a huge part of that in just really saying this is a need. And so that was in 2017. And now I would say it's even more of a need. But he mentors as well, right? He does. He shared his own story. Mm -hmm. Yes, he's mentored through Big Brothers Big sisters he's done a lot of informal mentoring and so he definitely knows how important it is and how life-changing it is mm-hmm. and so that's our goal is that all of us should be having mentors in our lives and all of us should be mentoring so as we're receiving we're giving we're a firm believer in that across generations I love it how many real quick before we get into what the program looks like how many mentorship relationships does Tucson uh, mentoring Tucson's kids support every mm-hmm. year so right now we're pretty low at 17. We definitely took a hit with COVID because it is a in-person mentoring yeah. program. And for a lot of people, and I completely understand that they felt the need that to step away from that. Mm. So for our kids, it's, needed so much more um, and so we have eight kids on our wait list right now we're continuing to get more kids referred to us we're actually going to do a school presentation next week and we're pre- presenting on mentoring to elementary school kids and then junior high kids and just sharing a little bit about what it is because a lot of kids don't know about this they don't even know what a mentor is and so just sharing with them mm-hmm. and providing the opportunity for them to come forward and say hey i really could use this What's the goal? The goal. How many, how many pairings in a year is your goal? Oh my gosh, I'd love a hundred. I mean, that's that was the my... number I had in my <laughs> head too. I was in my head. I'm like, a hundred seems like a great I, goal. I, think. I mean, yeah. I know, I know that there's such a need. So that's been part of the post COVID is reconnecting yeah. with TUSD. Um, Miranda Behavioral Health sends us kids, and so I'm so excited that. Um, because I know everybody's been in crisis mode and it's just been treading water. They're surviving and just saying like, hey, if you can just send us the kids, we'll take it from there. Hmm. How, um, what is, is the program formal? Is it informal? Is there a, is there a, a packet or is it just men and women with younger men and women kind of saying, this is what we want to do, this is what mentorship looks like, let's get after it. How mm-hmm. does that work? That's a great question. So from start to finish, for our mentors, we just make sure that they kind of know, eyes wide open, this is what we're getting into. And so it's amazing. It's a year-long commitment, an okay. average of three hours a week. We wow. also provide monthly outings for our mentors and kids to come to, as well as kids on the wait list. We really try and have those be different. So we just did one this past weekend, which was a Top Chef event. One of our mentors is the health coach, and so her and her mentee led it. And we talked about nutrition, we made meals, and then we had desserts, which was my idea. Um, (laughs) So we combated everything. I just felt like that was like a nice way to end it. A have to. Uh, it's a have to. So May is going to be our end of the school year celebration. We're going to have an all-out water balloon fight. So what? we welcome it. Oh, yes. Um, so it's going to be a lot of fun. So it's an average of three hours a week. Okay. Those first three months that the mentor-ment team meet is just really building a relationship. And then we have meetings at three months, six months, a year. And they set goals at about the three-month mark. Mm-hmm. And each child, it really depends on what they want to work on. 
So some kids get referred to us because of probation, substance use, depression, anxiety, bullying, and just some of them just need a positive influence in their life. The main kids that we focus on are youth living in single-parent homes or involved in the foster care system, and they're ages 6 to 17. Mm. So after that year, they can continue on as an alumni match until they turn 18. But our goal is that whether they stay in our program or end their official relationship, that they stay connected. Wow. So I guess before turning it back to Pastor Jeff for maybe the call to action and kind of uh, the wrap-up, uh, does someone, if someone, does someone listening to, who wants to participate, do they have to be uh, of a faith background? Um, I know there's a pretty clear faith connection to this, but do you have to be religious or a faith-based person? Or so we are a Christian mentor program for all. So all of our mentors are board our staff. There is that common statement of faith, and you can find that on our website. Got it. We invite others that don't identify as following Jesus at this time. There's several other ways to volunteer and get involved. Um, and then if you have a heart to mentor, you don't feel like this program is the best fit, please contact me still. Mm-hmm. I will connect you with another youth mentor program here in Tucson. But I think we're pretty amazing. So that's my call to action. Got it. Well, Pastor Jeff, yeah, you brought this conversation here, certainly um, after a great community event, the breakfast last Friday. Yeah. Uh, w- what do you want our listeners to do with this? Again, why did you bring this conversation? And, and we want to also let people know how they can get in touch with Mary, too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, before COVID, I had a chance of being a part of those activities. It's phenomenal. Uh, We had youth who participated. Uh, Mary mentioned 17 being mentored now with that desire to see 100. I was thankful to hear that they don't just hand you a kid and say good luck. There's a matching process involved, and and you you actually have people training you along the way. Uh, I think the number I heard was about $1,500 per individual is the cost per year. And Hmm. so if you don't have the time, but you have the resources, it doesn't even have to be $1,500. I think the challenge at the breakfast was a dollar a day. So $365. Could you make that sacrifice of a dollar a day? And Mary can share more about where you can contribute those funds. Absolutely. Yes, if you have a heart to mentor, if you have a heart that, and uh, to financially support, if you're not able to support with your time, if you could please uh, visit us on our website, it's www.mentoringtucson.org, or you can reach me on my phone, it's 520 520- Six two four four seven six five extension two, or I'm going to give you my work cell phone number. <gasps> no stalkers, please. <laughs> uh, it's five two zero four zero three one nine nine five. So please reach out. We would love to speak with you. Yeah, no, I, I would urge our listeners to do that again. I got to know many of our listeners, you know, over the years, and I think this would be a, a great. Uh, a great program and you know we we had uh last week on one of the governing board members for the tucson unified school district and we're we're trying to figure out why our test scores so low and why our proficiency rates so low uh, our public schools are often you know for example the front lines uh for individuals who have so many of these difficulties uh our kids um uh, are really challenged by a number of things right now across the board and i i would urge our listeners to to not just look at the data and have an understanding of what it means, but stand in the gap mm-hmm. and, and, and pair up with some of these young people and be uh, the reason why um, they stay in this community as competent members of our workforce, of our community, who can then turn around and mentor somebody else. I think this is a tangible way, not just to say we have a problem, 
but to be a part of the solution. And some of our listeners, Mary, care about what's happening in our school. We talk about it uh, a lot. So thank you for making time to be here, Mary. I know you're busy, and this means a lot. And Pastor Jeff, thank you for bringing this conversation here. Mentoring Tucson's kids, Mary McGuire, the executive director. Jeff, thank you so much. Good to be with you, Pastor. Yeah, good to be with you both. Pastor. You. Great way to start the day. Absolutely. Amen. Pastor of Hope City Church on the 22nd Street Corridor. That's it for us uh, here today on this conversation. We'll be back after bottom of the hour news break. A few words from me. And then Ruben Navarrete and I, nationally syndicated columnists, will talk about Twitter and Elon Musk. We'll be right back here on Tipping Point. With preseason and the season opener in the books, FC Tucson is looking forward to a great season, and John Perlman and his squad aren't slowing down. Join your FC Tucson soccer club Saturday, April 30th, May 7th, and May 20th for Let's Go 520 night, celebrating this great city. Get your season or game tickets at fctucson.com, and let's pack Kino Stadium this season. That's fctucson.com. The economy is moving forward, and Arizona businesses are looking at new opportunities and challenges as we emerge from COVID-19. Leading companies are planning how to respond to new business and rebuild their teams and are looking for critical talent now. The right talent in key positions will make all the difference, and having a trusted and dedicated talent acquisition partner will give you an edge. Devin and her team at Talent Store will connect you with top talent while positively impacting time to hire, retention, and your employer brand. Learn more by visiting yourtalentstore.com and schedule time with Devin and her team. Tucson, your Tucson Museum of Art is pleased to present the Patrick Martinez Look What You Created exhibition and his first solo museum exhibition in the American Southwest. Los Angeles-based artist Patrick Martinez explores sites of personal, civic, and cultural loss sustained over recent years in America. Opening just this month through April 24th, you can go see it in the Casser family wing of Latin American art. TucsonMuseumOfArt.org to get your tickets now. When you manage your money with a credit union, you're taking true ownership of your finances and how your money impacts the community. Stop letting banking just happen to you. Bring your money home to Vantage West. Federally insured by NCUA. Helping you make better money decisions is what the Ramsey Show is all about. Today at 1 p.m. on 1030 The Voice. And we're back, Tucson, and all of Southern Arizona. If you're just joining us here after the bottom of the hour news break, listen to Tipping Point. I'm your host, Zach Yenser, here on AM 1030 KVOI, The Voice. We just wrapped our uh, regular faith and culture segment with our faith and culture contributor, Pastor Jeff, 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 Pastor Jeff Logston. And uh, the guest he brought in today uh, with us uh, was Mary McGuire, the executive director of Mentoring Tucson's Kids, uh, a great organization that in some form has been around since the mid-90s um, and has supported 2,000 mentorship relationships in this community with folks who um, are uh, kind of younger and in high school. 
uh, and the need is greater. So if you missed that conversation, you can check it back out on the uh, on the podcast. Uh, coming up in just a minute, Ruben Navarrete will be with us. We'll talk about the the breaking news this week around Elon Musk uh, and the the uh, different funding streams he pulled together to buy Twitter uh, and take it back private. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that and his thoughts on it and my thoughts on it as well. That'll be an interesting um, conversation. But, uh, you know, Matt, I love uh, what Mentoring Tucson's kids are doing. Our, our youth in this country, our youth in this community are really struggling right now. And uh, they need mentors more than ever, uh, people who can be their, uh, their emotional and community rock um, we know from Tucson Unified School District and other districts that uh, we're seeing a spike in disciplinary action uh, and individuals who are just really trying to keep up with school, keep up with grades. The last two years have just been really difficult, and we, we keep peeling back that onion of what that all means. So programs like this, I think, are so critical, Matt. I don't, I don't know about you, but... Good stuff. Absolutely. Um, you know, there's there's family issues, as you alluded to, as you said, there's uh, the pandemic uh, added challenges. And what happens is bad things expand into a vacuum. And when there's a vacuum and there's not a strong family situation or or a bad situation at home or as we just went through with um, with the pandemic where kids are trying to learn from home and they they've lost that social fabric that that's around them that normal set of guardrails that they have and all sorts of bad things are very happy to move in and and uh, take the place of strong family or strong adult supervision and so having a good mentor is in you just you can't overstate how important that is absolutely Absolutely. Yeah, we'll, we'll move on in a second. But, uh, you know, Mentoring Tucson's Kids is, um, is, a, is a faith-based organization. Uh, but there is a coalition of organizations that are involved in mentorship. And so uh, please do reach out to the content information Mary provided, uh, whether you are a person of faith or not. If you're just interested in being a mentor, there is, believe me, plenty of opportunity and plenty of organizations uh, that, that are looking out. Uh, before we go uh, to break, um, Matt, I just wanted to remind everybody that Tucson is the space city of the Southwest. I just want everyone to remember that on this beautiful hump day Wednesday. You've mentioned that. <laughs> I, I know it sounds random. There's a reason I mentioned it. NASA yesterday or on Monday gave the green light to the OSIRIS-REx spacecraft. We've talked about that uh, before on the show. <clears throat> that will swing by Earth. Yeah, I love how this is written. NASA's OSIRIS-REx spacecraft will swing by Earth, just a, a pleasant stroll through the galaxy, uh, to deliver a sample from asteroid Bennu on uh, September 4th of 2023. On Monday, uh, it was reported that NASA has extended the University of Arizona-led mission, which will be renamed OSIRIS-APEX, to study near-Earth asteroid Apophis for 18 months. This asteroid will make a close approach to Earth in 2029. The University of Arizona will lead the mission uh, again after it brings uh, stuff from the asteroid Bennu um, back uh, uh, back to us in uh, a short number of years. So uh, like just the, again... the Uber of asteroid uh, dust collection, is it not? It, it, it is. And uh, I also think it monitors stuff that may you know, in the future or may not crash into Earth. So it's like a, it's like an Uber, 
and kind of a grub hub, you know, <laughs> call out for some uh, space dust. Oh, I hope Dante Loretta, who is uh, the principal investigator, I hope he's not listening. Um, we should have Dante on Matt and and say that that this sounds like the Uber um, of asteroid dust and see what he says. <laughs> he might agree. I think it's a good analogy. <laughs> he might. He might agree. Grubhub. What's the What's the other one? Uh, Uber Eats. We could. I don't know. There's uh, some DoorDash. Sure. DoorDash. There you go. We could. Uh, yeah. I'm sure if we put our heads together, we could probably come up with a a clever play on that. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. I I, 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 I want to mention this because. There's this, and I've said this on the show, and I just want to keep repeating it because it bears, it needs repeating, that in our community, as in I think all community, the picture I've said is that we need to have one foot on the, uh, one foot in the pothole and one foot on the moon. And interestingly enough, uh, whereas I started saying that metaphorically, I'm actually starting to talk about it literally when it comes to Tucson. We talked about potholes yesterday <laughs> with Proposition 411, and uh, as well as leading into some of the poverty uh, and neighborhood stress statistics in Tucson. My goal is that we have to talk about that stuff too, because the big stuff doesn't happen if that stuff isn't taken care of. But in Tucson, we get to have our foot uh, literally in space where we get to be moonshotting and and big ideas and reaching for the stars, all that cliche stuff we're literally doing uh, out of the University of Arizona. We've got this tension of uh, immediate short-term challenges, uh, right? 85% of neighborhood roads are in poor failing condition because for decades we haven't taken care of our roads. That's a problem. But we've also got this big, hairy, audacious stuff that is really cool. And could take this community to new heights and could be shaping the f- next 50 years of this place's future. And I just want to keep reminding people of that, that we live in uh, a, 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 a really cool place. Not just tacos, not just trails, but we are the space city of the Southwest. Right now, that's my term. I think there's one or two people using that phrase. But I'm going to keep saying it until 5 and 10 and 15 and 20 people start using it. Because this community's experience and expertise and possibilities in the emerging space industry uh, that is happening in this country and around the world is, is peerless. It is next to none. And if I have any frustration or any fear, it is that we may not take advantage of that uh, soon enough, big enough. So I just wanted to share that in the few minutes that I have. We're going to talk about some of the challenges, but in terms of opportunities, we live in the space city of the Southwest. NASA gave the green light earlier this week for OSIRIS-REx to visit another asteroid. It is not done yet a mission led by the University of Arizona. We're going to go to our last break of the hour. When we come back, Ruben Navarrete will be with us on the other side of the break to talk about Elon Musk buying Twitter. What does it mean? What does it mean going forward? His thoughts. I'm looking forward to this one. We'll be right back here on Tipping Point 1030 The Voice. The Voice, Tucson's trusted local news and talk. In 1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the nearly 60 startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges currently under construction, they are integral in shaping the future of Southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. 
Tucson homeowners, do you have equity in your home and would like to sell but are afraid that you won't be able to find a new place in this market? Well, you're not alone. That's why CNC Partners has put together an innovative way to make your next home dream come true. They work with local investors who can purchase your home for cash, pay above market value, waive the appraisal, and provide you with the option to lease your home back to you for 12 months until you can find a new home in the Tucson market. If you'd like to see what that cash offer might look like with no obligation, go to Tucson Cash offer.com. Zach Yenzo here, and I'm so excited to be a part of the launch of the Little Love Burger as they're growing in Tucson. Located just a few hours down from the Rialto Theater, Little Love Burger serves up the juiciest scratch-made hamburgers, loaded hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, lovable local brews, and the most addictive breakfast sandwiches. Little Love Burger is open Sunday through Thursday, 11 to 9, and Friday and Saturday, 11 to 10. You can follow their bee on Instagram and Facebook at Little Love Burger Tucson. Don't you want some burger to love? Did you know that Arizona is the first state in the country to implement a program like Earn to Learn has right here to support students with matched college savings? Through your investment, you enable students to leverage their own savings and resources to acquire the life-changing asset of a college education. If you want to be a part of increasing students' earning potential, minimizing student debt, closing the opportunity gap, and putting deserving individuals on a path to success, go to earntolearn.org to find out more. Why I love where I live. It's a brand and movement that began here in Tucson to spark gratitude and celebrate the good things about where we live. Located in the open air Mercado San Agustin Annex, just west of downtown, it's a great place to shop or spend time with friends as you enjoy food, drink, and other shopping options close by. Find gifts, toys, books, and clothes that will help you celebrate where you live. Visit them at the Annex off the I-10 at Cushing and Avenida del Convento. With preseason and the season opener in the books, FC Tucson is looking forward to a great season, and John Perlman and his squad aren't slowing down. Join your FC Tucson soccer club Saturday, April 30th, May 7th, and May 20th for Let's Go 520 night, celebrating this great city. Get your season or game tickets at fctucson.com, and let's pack Kino Stadium this season. That's fctucson.com. This is Bill Buckmaster, Pima County Supervisor, Dr. Matt Hines, at noon on 1030, Tucson's voice for trusted news talk. And we're back, Tucson, and all of Southern Arizona here live out of the Common Workspace studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser on AM 1030 KVOI, The Voice. By the way, uh, this segment is sponsored in part by Decibel Coffee Works. Uh, it's what I drink at home and drink around. It's run by a great local team of people who care about the Tucson community. Uh, you'll find a variety of great coffee drinks, beans, pastries, and more. Uh, and to see their full menu and varieties of beans, you can go to Decibel, D-E-C-I-B-E-L, coffeeworks.com. Uh, but make a plan to visit them at 267 South Avenida del Convento. Mention you heard about them here with me, your host, Zach Yenser, for 10% off your next order on anything you buy. Love our partners over at Decibel Coffee Works. We are now live on the air with Ruben Navarrete, the most widely read Latino columnist in the country, uh, syndicated across a number of platforms you would recognize and host of his own podcast, Ruben in the Center. Ruben Navarrete, good to be with you as always. Thanks for being with us today. 
Zach, thanks for having me. Good to be with you. Uh, we often like to talk with you about your analysis of national level issues. And the one that is on the tip of a lot of people's tongues is the takeover of Twitter. I, I love alliteration, Ruben. That was my attempt at it. Uh, by Elon Musk, uh, the uh, famed billionaire and entrepreneur um, who, and I want to make this point because it's been annoying me all week. He didn't wake up one day and drop 40-some billion of his own cash on Twitter, okay? It was $21 billion. Uh, he's financing half uh, personally, and then banks are loaning the rest. I've seen this on Twitter, by the way, horribly mangled, and facts matter to me, unlike they seem to matter to a lot of people. But, Ruben, uh, this, is the <laughs> this is the issue on, on people's mind. Um, before I give my thoughts and get your thoughts, what are your thoughts uh, is Elon Musk uh, uh, owned Twitter back in the private space? Is that better for Twitter, better for us, or not? I think uh, there's a third category. Better for Twitter, better for not, or it really doesn't matter to many people. It's really not going to have that much of an effect. <laughs> I, go, I, go with, I go with number three. Uh, I don't think Twitter matters to that many people. I think it's not going to make much of a difference. Uh, I think that it is um, a chew toy and social media for people like me. It will not surprise people out there to know that a, major- a lot of folks, a big majority of folks, a big chunk of folks who use Twitter are journalists and academics, <laughs> radio hosts, TV hosts. This is where we play. This is where we go to get information. This is where we go to share ideas and the like. But in terms of my parents and your parents and, you know, average folks who are working for a living, uh, no, not so much. Not so much. Um, but the other thing that's interesting about this story, Zach, is, you know, I, one of the reasons I uh, am gainfully employed is in, in so many different mediums is because I like calling out contradictions and certainly on both sides, Republicans and Democrats. Let's follow closely what's going to happen in the next few weeks. You're going to have conservative Republicans who have been telling us for years that Twitter is a sewer and it's not important and it doesn't have any impact on society and it's irrelevant turn on a dime and start arguing the opposite and talking about how, as conservatives, this is a hugely important thing, a win for free speech, and you're not going to have this massive town hall that is really so influential in people's lives. The Democrats and the liberals are going to say the opposite, and it's already started. The Democrats and the liberals who, who really propped, up, propped Twitter up and said it was a terrific place to be and really important and serve society, and it's like this you know, fourth branch of government uh, are now saying the opposite. It's no big deal. We're preparing for a life without Twitter. We're, you know, de- deactivating our accounts and the like. It's really not going to matter to much, uh, amount to much. So you're going to have that basic contradiction playing out in the next few weeks or so. The second point is, you know, if a guy is worth um, over $200 billion, he has the right to spend his money any way he wants. It's not my business or your business. And this idea somehow that the guy who built te- Tesla, who's always defied gravity, and been told he can't succeed, but he ignores those people and succeeds anyway in a magnificent way. The fact that uh, those of us who have to, don't have two nickels to rub together and have to go to work every day uh, would, would say somehow we're worried about him losing his stake you know, in Tesla as a result or using, you know, losing, his, uh, losing his $40 billion. One minor correction to what you said. He put up $21 billion, it's true, of his own money. The bank loans... To loan the other, you know, twenty-some billion dollars were secured by Tesla stock. Okay. Okay. 
So clearly, he's not going to default on this. This is a, this is a very wise business decision in the, long, in the long run because I don't think Elon Musk knows how to lose money. But if he were to default on that, Bank of America and Chase and the other banks would own mm-hmm. the Tesla stock. So in fact, the guy did put up you know all okay. the money. My point: it's his money, and it's a dent uh, in terms of what he. Uh, he has to spend. Lastly, one last final point, third final point, is I do think that we make too much of this business of the power of Twitter. People who are offended by Twitter now, the liberals can go someplace else. This idea somehow that Elon Musk is threatening democracy, he's going to keep political parties off of Twitter. It's one medium. It's one forum. Go somewhere else. And that's the problem I have with right and left. Uh, conservatives don't like a movie. They want to ban the movie. Uh, liberals don't like a song. They want to ban the song. Uh, it, it's it's pointless. Just go somewhere else. That's what the market's about. I think I think this is partly where I was hoping we could go anyway, Ruben. You're sort of segueing to it. Um, there was this. I, I I took a screenshot of this tweet because I just thought it was it was it was it just showed I think the silo. And I'm on Twitter a lot, by the way. That's that Twitter has become. It said Elon Musk takes over Twitter. He's a billionaire who doesn't even have a master's degree. Is that who are we? Is that who we are going to trust with the future of our democracy? And there's many pieces of that tweet no, that I could raise an eyebrow about. The one no. that I did was, wait, we were trusting Twitter with the future of our democracy in the first place. If that is the issue, right. we have a way bigger problem than who owns it. And I think you're right, Ruben. I think what 27 percent of America uses it. It's 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 it, it is a loud echo chamber. But it is an echo chamber, and I, I think there's a, a number of things he wants to do with Twitter that I'm not opposed to. I think uh, exposing algorithms, I think uh, ending bots, I think uh, an edit feature for crying out loud. Um, and I do have concerns, uh, Ruben, that I think because we are siloing ourselves into medias of choices, it is impacting um, the the freedom of speech. Um, but I want to go this direction, Ruben, and it's this. I'm also concerned about the impact of social media uh, on this country. And there's, a, there's an interesting piece by a guy, guy named Jonathan Haidt. It was in The Atlantic uh, talking about how really since 2009, social media has done a number on our institutions and has made us a little bit more stupid and a little bit more more divisive. And so my challenge is now I am pro free speech, but not all free speech is good speech. Not all free speech is helpful speech. And the last 13 years have, I think, shown a rapid erosion of our trust in our institutions and our trust in each other, in large part because of social media. So Ruben, I don't have the answer today. I just wanted to put that in front of you and get your thoughts. Uh, I think when it comes to, okay, what are the safeguards to free speech and who's the safeguard, that's the problem we're talking about. I don't have the answer to that. Um, but this bigger question of social media and free speech and the impact um, on our institutions the last 13 years is a hairy problem. It's not going to go away. So I have a couple problems with what you've said. I, I, I disagree that social media has the power to divide us, to make that it made us this, this coarse society, you know, that it's, it's made us somehow less intelligent or less tolerant of different points of view. I tend to think that those uh, fissures were already there, uh, and maybe that social media helps exploit some of that, but so do other things. So does talk radio. So does liberal cable news. Um, so do newspapers. Uh, there are a lot of things that, are, that go on in the public square. Our politics clearly has, 
uh, have made us more less empathetic and more uh, divided. So I, I don't like social media bearing the brunt of all of it. They get blamed for a lot, right? Hmm. I think I read somewhere the other day, social media has, has, uh, you know, wrecked our democracy. It's, it's, it's had the effect of the la- in the last 20 years of obviously dividing Americans and pitting against, you know, no, wait a minute. You know, we've, we've been divided for a long, long time hmm. uh, on various, in various ways, long before Twitter came along. So let's, let's free Twitter in that regard. Okay. Let's not say that Twitter is to blame. <laughs> Facebook is to blame. I'm not with Hillary Clinton. I actually do not believe that she lost the election against Donald Trump because of Facebook. I actually think Hillary lost the election because Hillary was a terrible candidate, right? So it's really easy for people right, left, and center to blame social media for things that social media didn't do. Uh, I also just think that the, uh, the idea of, of, of having a place where people can go and voice different opinions, that's a good thing. You say that that um, not all free speech is good speech. It's true. It's always been that way, Zach. It's been that way since, you know, anarchists and communists and people who threaten the government. And I was just listening to a, um, something about Matthew Constantine's new book, the, the Right, and how he's talking about the John Birch Society. And conservatives never liked the John Birch Society. There's crazies everywhere in every movement, right? And uh, part, of, part of it is having to tolerate that you can you can get rid of some of it by not paying attention to that, but I like the old argument: the 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 problem, or the solution to bad speech is not less speech; it's good speech; it's more speech. Uh, so I, I'm really kind of leery of this idea somehow that there ought to be an arbiter someplace. Um, but you put your finger on something earlier. What's going to come out now? The cat that's going to come out of the bag is that before Elon Musk bought Twitter, apparently that Twitter was very powerful. It was being run by a secret group of people. <laughs> who kept people off, uh, the like President Trump, and brought other people on, and they were sort of trying to control us and kind of control our thinking as a nation. That would never have come out, Zach, had it not been for Elon Musk buying Twitter. So there's a positive benefit right there. Yeah, Ruben, I just want to be clear, not to you, but for our listeners, is I, I am pro-open marketplace of ideas, more good ideas, and there's a deep sense that from both sides, there have been forces that have tried to put their their finger on the arbitration of ideas, and, and, and I have a I think as a as an American that embraces you know a liberal democracy, and I don't mean that necessarily in terms of our political parties and the way we use liberal, but uh, that that concerns me. Uh, real quick, Ruben, last question. Some would say that social media, and especially Twitter, has developed an angrier, more punitive style in our politics, and moderates get either weeded out or voted out or called uh, rhinos or not Democrats. Uh, has that happened in your experience, and do you lay any blame of that on social media? No, I think the most important societal factor to creating better human beings uh, are parents. I think parents raise kids to be tolerant or intolerant, to be bigots, to be racist, to be homophobic or not homophobic. That comes from the family, comes to the dinner table. It's the single most uh, important job I have. I feel like I fail at it all the time in terms of being a parent, too lenient, too strict, Amen. you name it. <laughs> and it's a hard job. And it's not Twitter's job to raise our kids, rap music, violent movies, talk radio, you name it, man. The list goes on and on. If, you're, if your kid is not turning out right, don't blame CNN. Look in the mirror. And ultimately, that's the conversation people need to have. 
we would have such a better country if every politician running for office in Arizona or California, where I live, said that to voters mm. at town halls and said, I don't care if you like me. I don't care if you vote for me. But you need to understand, be you on the right or the left, you cannot go around blaming Fox News or CNN for screwing up the raising of your kid because that's your job. <clears throat> Ruben Navarrete, uh, that's where we'll put a pin in it. Wanted to get your thoughts on what is on everybody's mind, the Elon Musk uh, purchase of Twitter. Ruben, thanks for being with us and uh, breaking that down. Where can people find you here as we head out? You can find me at The Daily Beast and at RubenNavarrete.com. And as you said, my podcast is available on all apps, Ruben in the Center. Love it. Ruben, until next time, thanks so much. Stay safe out there and uh, and uh, spend time on Twitter or don't, whatever you feel like. Ruben, thank you. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Zach. Thanks a lot. We'll be back tomorrow, Thursday, Tucson. Hugh Hewitt's up next. Bill Buckmaster at noon. Thanks for listening. We'll be back Thursday morning.